Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're discussing the video games of 1989, and uh, I'm your host, Mike. Oh, you know what? I'm not even the host. Who are we kidding? Who does all the hard work? John does it. He does all the notes for this segment, and frankly, he's more prepared than I ever will be. Um, so you know what? I'm his sidekick for this episode. John, thank you for hey. being the host. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, I like video games. I'm a nerd. <laughs> No, you make notes. I watched like uh, YouTube videos and go, oh yeah, I'll remember that. I won't remember that. I don't remember where the hell I. I oh, this is crazy, but I didn't know I was at work for 15 minutes last week. That's Real how tired and clueless I am sometimes. Mm-hmm. I walked. I was in the back room. I go, fuck. When did I get here? <laughs> Shit. Uh, every day is exactly the same. So why would why would you notice right? one yeah. than the other? Um. So let's start off with the games of 1989. Okay, we'll actually kick these off some PC games because uh, the, there isn't a whole lot of arcade stuff to talk about, or at least none that I not as much as I got. So we're gonna kind of intersperse this with uh, some of the excuse me some of the console stuff. But first up, uh, did you ever play Pipe Mania? I've never or, even heard of it. Okay, maybe you've heard of it as Pipe Dream. Nope. Okay, is that a Chi uh, Chong movie? <laughs> uh, Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe. Maybe. No. <laughs> but uh, it's this puzzle game where you have to connect a series of pipes uh, from this randomized queue. Oh, no, a... wait. Yes, yes, I have. I played that. I remember that now. Yeah, into the specific links over a specific period of time or else it'll end up leaking this uh, thing of ooze. It It's had many imitators and many uh, forms over the years. I, I'm certain I've played Pipe Dream for the PC. But uh, I'll be honest, if anything, I'm better acquainted at this game uh, because it was actually turned into the hacking mechanic for the game Bioshock. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, it. I mean, it's a simple concept. You can't, you know... You, I guess you can sort of... Uh, uh, why can't I think of the word? Uh, Words are magic! You need to say yes, the spell! <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you can't patent that specific idea, but uh, a version of it, because a lot of these games, they're they're all similar. It's all just pipes and leaky shit. And, you know, do this in a certain amount of time. It's a simple concept. I don't know if there's, like, from Bioshock having to pay these people money for us or any of these imitators, but it, it was uh, one of these... Very, very early type of game that you get on, you know, DOS and just click the click the boxes with your squares. You know, it's simple and fun. But uh, how about, did you ever play SimCity? Yo, of course. Obsessed. But not on the PC. I didn't play it until it came to the Super Nintendo. Yeah, see, I I actually had the PC version of it. And when I, looked, when I was doing the research and looking at the Wikipedia page... That box art, the weird little old old timey radio, you know, that was uh, the the box, just filled me with so much nostalgia. Because you know, I mean, it's a city simulator. It's not the first, but it's basically the one that all other uh, city simulators really emulated. Right. And you know, you have to manage the construction of your residential, commercial, industrial uh, aspects of your town, roads, other infrastructure. And basically, 
I was, you know, a kid when I played this. You know, I mean, there, there are like scenarios that you could set up and you would go and, oh, you know, I have to uh, complete this, uh, you know, drop the crime rate in 10 years or else I fail the scenario. You know, I'd play stuff like that, not really understanding what I was doing. Or, you know, you'd start building a city and, you know, get a rudimentary thing out and then get bored and then just spam the natural disasters. <laughs> I have done that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I I kind of wish I could go back to that old school original SimCity and play it again. Because knowing what I know now of, uh, of game design, of, you know, everything in that, I think I would have a lot more fun. Yeah, well, I... I, I, I... For me, I absolutely loved this game. When I tried to play SimCity 2000, I thought it was just too difficult. There's too many variables and too many things you have to control at all at once, and I wasn't having fun. This is the perfect. It just needs to be updated with better graphics. Yeah, it's the simplicity of the design of this game is really what made this, uh, you know, Will Wright, uh, who, who created this game, this is basically what really fundamentally uh, gave him a, his career and also really led to a lot of sim blank games because, you know, some were Max's titles that, that they were responsible for and others were just imitators because, you, you know, Sim World, Sim Tower, Sim Ant. I always thought Sim Ant was theirs. I didn't realize. I, I can't remember if that one was theirs. I think it's not. I think it's a... But, you know, yeah. this leads to stuff like Roller Coaster Tycoon, and even, like, there's, uh, I feel like some of the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, Minecraft and Gamecraft, they kind of build on the, the ideas that this game created. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything that, that, re that results in effectively just, here's a blank canvas, you know, put whatever you want in it, you have, you know, whatever limited resources at your at your disposal yeah yeah it's all all kind of stems from this well is, at this point do we have the not necessarily command and conquer but that style of gaming yet is that has it happened rts is not so much although we will get into something that's sort of like that as well but do you feel like that ha SimCity had any influence on that style of gaming actually not as much but well, I guess we'll, I'll jump ahead to it. Uh, Populist. Uh, it's one of the first god games where uh -huh. you're a deity, and you have to lead your followers through you know, direction, manipulation, and just straight-out divine intervention to defeat your opposing deity, deity's followers or convert them to your side or whatever. Basically, you have to kind of reduce theirs to whatever set parameter uh -huh. and increase yours to you know, whatever yours is supposed to be. Okay. And it's like there's hundreds of maps that you can choose from. And kind of what we're talking about, it's kind of crossed between SimCity and then an RTS. Because you have these maps that, you, that you're out, you have to go and resource build and kind of build up your, your civilization a bit. You know, gain these magical points that you can then use to uh, manipulate the land or, again, strike down your, your foes or something. It's and one of these games where I never played it on PC, but I did play it off the Genesis. Uh huh. And I had definitely had a ball, but it's definitely one of those games where I also would want to go back and kind of see, oh, what was I actually doing? 
because I certainly had no clue what I was doing. I was just trying to reduce the, you know, the other color of uh, of of characters on the screen to, you know, lesser amounts and make mine more. Yeah, I understood. I understood the very basics of it, but not enough to actually make the game, you know, play the game in a, in the full capacity. But uh, Populous was created by uh, Peter Molyneux, who would then later go on to do the Fable franchise. Okay, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, well, it's, prior to that, he also did uh, Black and White, which is probably the penultimate, uh, you know, or maybe not even just penultimate, ultimate uh, God game. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that one when we get to, uh, I think, what, 2001? Uh, but also Prince of Persia came out way different than uh modern audiences know <laughs> oh god yeah uh you're this unnamed hero who's been thrown into uh, the palace dungeon by the evil vizier jafar and you have to escape and battle you battle your way up to the palace tower to rescue the princess and defeat jafar and you only have an hour to do this and this was a game that was rotoscoped so you had this pretty fluid motion for the characters as they ran around, jumped, you know, uh, lifted themselves up onto higher platforms and sword fight and all this stuff. But it was also really, really hard because you had to uh, kind of take into account the animation itself and the delay in what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I had this game and I never got out of the dungeon. As far as I know, all this game is is just a series of dungeon screens with pit traps and spikes and stuff. And, you know, it's like it I, I totally get why this did well and why it ended up becoming a franchise later on in, with reboots in 2003 and 2008. But I kind of think that it uh, it's more important because it also the rotoscoping techniques ended up also inspiring games like Flashback and Another World, which were also really, really cool games, but freaking hard to play. Yeah, and if you don't know what uh, rotoscoping is, it's just taking... Uh, you're filming someone in the same movements and then you're animating over it. It's something that Disney did way back in the day with, I believe, Snow White for the first time. Um, and it's still... I still believe it's used today. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. They... It's well at this point it's now motion capture, a little less so right, than yeah. scope. But you know, I mean, you, yeah, if you've seen a lot of the old Disney films, uh, they def they shot like one plate of something and then animated over over uh, that same plate for so many films. Yeah, and in Rob Bakshi is definitely guilty of using this. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a game to look into because you will not see another game like it uh, these days. Uh, well, I think, they're, I think they did have a re-release of it a couple of years back. But uh, So, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game Yay! And the first NES game came Boo. out. In, in, uh, <laughs> so yeah. fucking hard. Now, the arcade game, uh, well, again, both these are based off the cartoon. You're the Ninja Turtles and you're fighting Shredder. Uh, if you want any more plot than that, you're out of luck. Uh, but the arcade game is this four, uh, you know, up to four players uh, in this double dragon style beat 'em up. 
you know, the turtles all have special attacks. You can jump off certain walls. You can add extra damage to, uh, to your opponents by throwing them into things. And it basically kind of, it didn't, I don't want to say it redefined the beat-em-up, but it kind of redefined the beat-em-up. Because it, again, the, the seamless four-player control in the arcade was amazing. Like how, just how well it worked. Yeah. The, uh, all the moves, all the, the fact that you, you know, you're, how fluid throwing people was, all that stuff. And did they use this same uh, engine for the Simpsons game? Am I wrong? I, not entirely certain. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. But there's there's a lot of game. There were a couple of games like that because uh, there was like an Avengers one. There was the X Men one. Yeah. So I mean, there's if they weren't using the same engine, they were at least uh, everyone kind of saw what Turtles did and went. Hold my beer. Let me try this. Yeah, yeah. Now, on the on the other side, we're going from probably one of the best arcade experiences you can have to one of the worst console experiences you can have. Uh, yeah, it's okay. There's a lot of issues with this game that basically pretty no. much the game. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's almost unplayable. But I really think the biggest sin is the fact that the turtles themselves were poorly thought out. Like, you know, okay, Leonardo was, was a fun character to play, but you had Donatello, who was basically game-breaking because the bow staff could, like, go through the, uh, through the environment. Uh-huh. So as long as you could, as long as you kept, uh, kept a good distance, you could smash the hell out of anything. But you had Michelangelo and Raphael, who had the smallest, uh, you know, hitboxes where they could actually go and strike people so that you pretty much might as well just run through the through the level without hitting people because that's all the good especially Raphael that's all the good you're going to have with him is he's just a he's just a sponge to take damage and then die off and you lose a turtle yeah you never ever want to lose Donnie plus it also has that water level that everyone knows and everyone hates Uh... Where if you're not pixel perfect in your movement, you're just gonna keep getting killed over and over again. Ninja Turtles game sucks. You can find lots of uh, comedy videos online where everybody talks about how much it sucks. It's it's the probably the most universal of of uh, hatreds in in video games. Yeah, or Back to the Future, I would say, is the bigger one. But let's see. Well, another one that is. A little bit of a mixed bag for me is Dragon Warrior. Oh, what? I obsess over this game. I'm not shitting you. <laughs> I failed really? the class because I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> we have played this so many times. This is a game that my uncle got free with his uh, comp- uh, his uh, Nintendo Power subscription. I think that's how a lot of people got theirs. Um, played it a ton then. And then in college, we ended up with a Nintendo console, and we had that on there. And I would not, because there's no real... Wait, was there a save? There was a save. Why did I miss yeah. class? yeah. What the fuck's wrong? I guess I was just obsessed. And I wouldn't go to class. I ended up, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, not doing well. Um, and then we bought it again when I had a Game Boy, uh, what's the SP? Is that the, the flip oh, one? Oh, the Game Boy Advance, yeah. The Game Boy Advance SP where uh, we had that. And fun story is we went to a film festival at Lake Arrowhead where my sister and I were bored with all the ass clowns schmoozing. 
because um, we're nobodies. So we just sat in the lobby, and uh, people were walking all around us, talking about their film deals and stuff like that. And we're just playing Dragon War, and these two kids come up to us, and they're watching uh, Mindy play. And she uh, lets them use our Game Boy for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, their dad comes up, and it's Robert Carradine from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, and we're like, oh, hi. Uh, don't look, don't look, don't look. <laughs> like, don't stare. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a huge, well, it's like the U.S. release of this, uh, of the Dragon Quest uh first game of the Dragon Quest franchise, and it is a huge franchise in Japan. Like, it's... I, I don't know if it still necessarily is, but it at least for the longest time, Dragon Quest was synonymous with RPGs in Japan. It, you know, it's like, it's a, a fairly standard fair game, you know, for the most part, you know, you go and you have to go rescue a princess from the evil dragon lord and bring peace to the land. Uh-huh. It does have a plot twist where it's you uh, end up having a... There's a little bit more to it than just, oh, go and save the princess, and that's that's all you're going to need. But I think it was kind of interesting because you could actually beat this game without ever actually talking to the princess. <laughs> you know, you never, never had to meet her or speak with her, and you could still beat the game because that part of the quest was just kind of incidental. Yeah, and in in like some of these games, you can just go on and on. I've never finished Dragon War. I playing this. I've seen somebody finish it, but I, I have never finished it because it just it takes a year of your life. It's like Borderlands. Yeah, and that's one of the things. Like all all good RPGs should take should have enough time in it that you get immersed and have a have a fun time, and you get the most for your buck. And it is definitely one of those types of games. Uh, in Japan, it also had uh, art by uh, Dragon Ball's Akira Toriyama. And but the thing is, it never really got uh, a footing out here in the West. Like you know, I mean, we had what the first three. I think there's and... actually way more than that. Uh, oh. I remember renting like four or five at some point at a video store, and it was so hard to find. We were flabbergasted that it was there, and uh, it was a one day rental. God damn it, you can't play this in a one day, and we couldn't afford to buy it because you know, eBay didn't exist back then. But I know now that at the time, they were very, very rare. They were running like $7,500 easily. Well, I want to say there's like, I think 11 of them. At least last time I noticed any of them. I think there's like 11, probably 12 at this point. But it's, it's one of those games where, yeah, it ran from, it's continued for a very long time. It is, we... I don't think it was until number seven got released that they actually went by Dragon Quest. Right, and I was thrown off actually at first because I was like, "This sure as hell looks like Dream uh, uh, Dragon Warrior." I almost said Dream Warriors. Yeah, it looks just like uh, <laughs> Freddy uh, the, the Third Movie. Well, huh, weird. But yeah, it, it never really caught its footing because there was uh, in the U.S. anyway. Its uh, strongest competitor gets released next year, and we'll talk about that one because that's the franchise. For RPGs, that was that was my series for a good long, right. good long. But uh, a classic that hit is Ducktales. Woo! Exactly. It's one of it's probably my maybe not my favorite Disney adjacent games, but it's at least if it's not my favorite, it's number two. 
And I just realized that saying that made it sound like it said it's poo. It's not. It is total poo. It is. It is awesome. It's a classic. It's a side scroller where you're Scrooge McDuck and you're traveling around the world, and to the moon, uh, in looking for uh, treasure. You're outwitting enemies from the show, and you just want to make sure that Flintheart Glomgold doesn't become the world's richest duck. Jump! You run around this game. You hit. Uh, use your cane like a pogo stick. You bounce off people and use it to uh, traverse the level. And it has three endings, which I never actually realized. Huh. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I always just got, I guess, would be the standard ending. But uh, if you clear the game with ten, at least $10 million in your bank, you get the best ending. Anything from $10 million, anything under $10 million, as long as you have some money in your bank, you get the regular ending. Now, you can get the worst ending if you actually have zero dollars in your bank. Oh? What's the worst but, ending? Oh, I have no idea. I'm sure it's oh. Flintheart. I'm sure Flintheart and Magic of the Spell, you know, get all your money. You know, I'm sure that's what it is. But uh, you literally, it's... You have to actually set out to make... Uh, to get a zero dollar run because it is unless you're going okay i need to earn this much money and then use this uh cheat this cheat thing that costs like 10 million dollars you know or something like that yeah. okay and then i have to do it again and use it it's because you have to use like two times but it's like you have to have a certain amount of money in order to use it so it's like you have to basically play the game to lose but you know, this game has great music, great level design. Again, 100%. It's a classic. And one other classic that hit in 89 was Mega Man 2. Yay, the only one I can possibly even get close on. It's so hard. This is a series yeah. in general. Oh, yeah. Mega Man games were always hard. I think I'm, I'm not in the minority when I say this. I think almost everybody agrees that it's probably the best of the series. Although Mega Man 3 is... Just as at least just as good, but uh, seriously, it's uh, level design, music, everything about this game is pretty much perfect. And again, hard as hell. So I mean, being perfect and being easy are not the same thing. Yeah, being perfect and wanting to rip your hair out and <laughs> scream throw your controller at the TV. Still doesn't mean the game ain't perfect. The uh, I, I'm I'm in the minority here, but I prefer the Mega Man X series. All right, I'm ducking, ducking. Oh no, no, I. That's that's kind of why it's like I had to. I tried to. I made sure I worded it a certain way because of the Mega Man series of games. This is the best. Mega Man X is the best of the X games. Now, there's other Mega Man series as well, and they can go to hell and they suck. <laughs> kind of like the Sonic series. Anything outside the normal realm sucks. Yeah, I, I know there's there's fans for like Battle Network and all that stuff, and yeah, you do you guys. I feel like I played Mega Man Dodgeball or something on the Super Nintendo, but I think I'm just having. Well, there was like a soccer game. There was. Oh, did that soccer game came out, or was that? I don't know. There's. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of there's not all kinds of spinoffs, but there are a few spinoffs to that uh, to the Mega Man series. But all right, we've got our first new console in a while. 
The TurboGrafx 16. I love the TurboGrafx 16. I know nobody else does. But I love it. Oh, good. Then you then you can spend a lot more about uh, how fun and and games and stuff because yeah. I think this is going to be my only mention of it from this. Not you know I don't think we're gonna ever mention any games coming out for it or anything because let's be honest it was a huge commercial failure here. Yeah, uh, bigger in Japan. Uh, I think oh, yeah. uh, it did very well in Europe. It's uh, well, Hudson Soft is the main uh, people behind it. They're supplying all the games. And every great top-down shooter you can think of from this time period is on that system. And it's kind of the way it was with Neo Geo where they had the side-scroller shooters. Um, I would say the, their uh, failed attempts at like their big titles like bonks they're okay but they're mario clones splatterhouse was notorious because it was so violent but it's an, only an okay game i am hardcore on their shooters and i don't know <laughs> if there's ever a system that did it better and I, their 1941 is even better than the arcade version well it's also kind of funny because oh here i'll, I'll give a little bit of history that i did for the thing it was released in japan by the company nec as the PC Engine. Yeah, that's the way I know as PC Engine, not so much as Turbo Graphics. Yeah, and it was a competitor for the Famicom and the uh, and Sega. And it was when it came out here, it was marketed as the first 16-bit uh, gaming system. The problem is that was kind of a lie because it did have a 16-bit uh, uh, video display controller as well as 16-bit color encoder, but the CPU itself was only 8-bit. So effectively, it could uh, potentially up-res its graphics to kind of this faux 16-bit, but it would never actually be a 16-bit system at any point. Yeah, and I, I think somewhere along the way they tried moving over to a CD system, which failed even worse. I think they even had a temp, uh, like short-lived uh, uh, handheld. Oh, yeah. Which took the same games. If I remember correctly, the actual original cartridges weren't cartridges. They're like little... They're little cards. Like, yeah, like unlock cards or something like that. There's something unique. Yeah. I've only ever played it um, as an emulator. So that's why I know it as a PC engine, because that's the way they refer to it in the, uh, the emulator, not so much uh, TurboGrafx. The only reason I remember TurboGrafx so well is because they advertised the shit out of that console on uh, in, in Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like it, you mentioned the CD thing. It was this peripheral that they tried to uh, give us. That was an additional $400 and didn't come with any games. <laughs> That's fucking dumbasses. Yeah, there was there was the portable option that did come with a color screen, which was neat. Uh, the games, yeah, the games were on cards, kind of like the Sega Master System ones. But again, the biggest problem is it just, aside from Bonk, you know, it never really had a killer app. No. Like, Bonk was a clone of a lot of things. Right. And... The, the problem is they didn't have the exclusives. The, the titles that worked so well in their system were usually licensed from other people, or their RE arcade version, or they were available on another console. Yeah, and that and that's the problem. Is that it just it? It was an attempt at something that, you know, again, it's it was still strong in Japan, and lasted you know lasted a good a good long while, but. Effectively, it basically released in 87 originally and then ultimately got discontinued in 94 and never had any, didn't really have a follow up so much afterwards. Right. I don't even know if the company was still around. I could not tell you a game that Hudson Soft came out with after that system. Yeah, that's a lot of their stuff 
God, I'm trying to think if they are still around or not. It's like in a limited capacity. And... Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and look just because we're not hardcore gamers on the, at least I'm not. Um, I only know, you know, the bare bones usually. I've just got lucky with the Turbo Graphics. I'm that way with Neo Geo as well. <laughs> well, the Game Boy came out. Yay! Yeah, the handheld that outlasted all the other handhelds. And, okay, I will have to say this first. We all have to be honest with ourselves. The games for it were ugly as shit. Yes, but they were easy that, to play, that battery life. Uh, Hudson Soft went out of business in 2012. They were absorbed by Konami. Okay. Yeah, it's like... It, but, yeah, the Game Boy had this ugly green, black and white screen. Uh, but, you know what? It was bundled with the killerest of killer apps, Tetris. It had Mario, it had Zelda, it had all these other high-quality, beloved games. So, who gives a shit if it looked like garbage? It played well and had the most awesomest battery life, and it was sturdy. I think there's, what is it, uh, it's in the Smithsonian where there's a with a Game Boy that was blown up in Iraq yeah. and still plays. I actually found a Game Boy in the snow. That's how durable it was, the wet snow. I don't know how long it sat out there, but I was walking home from school, and there it was, just sitting in the snow, and I was like, picked it up and turned on immediately, no problems whatsoever, and uh, eventually word got around to someone had lost it. They were one of the, um, not, uh, like, crossing guards. Well, I guess, yeah, when you're, when you're like, in fifth grade, you can be a crossing guard, um, and I guess they had just fallen out of their backpack, and we gave it back to them, but I just remember how durable that thing was, even in the cold. Yeah, and that's the thing, it's like, it... It was exactly what this thing needed to be, and over the 14 years that it that just the Game Boy, not not any other spin-off versions of it, just the Game Boy itself, it had such a massive library of games that were just you know platform exclusives, all the way to tons of these ports from NES and Super you know Super Nintendo games. Like, my God, this. If you, it's like, there are people who grew up not, you know, in a, like, you and I grew up pre-Game Boy. We knew what, what it was like without this handheld. So many people grew up just with, you know, like, being born, turning into teenagers with this, with this system. Yeah. Like, it's kind of remarkable how long it, it even lasted as its own. Now, its launch line was okay. There was a couple of sports games, but basically the main highlights were Super Mario Land and Tetris. And we already talked about Tetris, you know, forever ago. But uh, Super Mario Land is a is a Mario game. Let's you know, cut not cut to uh, not make it sound any more important than it really was in that respect. But it did have a completely new setting, a place called uh, Sarasala Land. And you had uh, ten side-scrolling uh, levels and two Gradius-style shooting levels that you go through, one of which was in a plane and one in a sub. And you're going to save Princess Daisy in her first appearance from the evil spaceman uh, Tatanga. <laughs> and I was in reading the article about this and just how nerdy people get about whether this is a canon Mario game or not. It it's just kind of remarkable just to see like how 
the infighting on Wiki, on the Wikipedia article about whether or not it's <laughs> it's canon is really kind of sad. Yeah, it sounds really pathetic. But uh, it's a Mario game. It just has less levels than what you're used to. And I guess I only played a little bit of it. You know, I I was when I borrowed people's uh, Game Boys, I was always playing Tetris or something else. So. You know, it's like I couldn't say how difficult it really is, but apparently it's one of the easiest Mario's too. Yeah, I just want to mention real quick, Turbo Graphics sixteen uh, was not their last console. It, this one sold five point eight million worldwide. They had another console, of course. They had the Duo, which combined the CD and the the home console together, and then the the portable version. But then in nineteen ninety four, they introduced the PCFX, which was only released in uh, Japan, which was trying to combine you know computers. Uh, and gaming systems, and only sold four hundred thousand dollars before they shut down. Four hundred thousand units. Wow. Yikes. Well, here's here's another one that uh, something crashed and burned too. The Atari Lynx. Oh God, I have that on my emulator. Those games are the ugliest fucking things. Here's the weird thing: is that they make every character oversized so that you can see them better instead of making it appropriate to whatever the world they're in the way the Game Boy would. Maybe they thought well, it would be easier on the eyes, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of the that was kind of the problem is it, it the way it was designed, it kinda of had this it was this little uh, rectangular thing where you had on one side your D pad, on the other side it, it was actually designed for amb- ambidextrous play because it had your action buttons at the bottom and top. Uh-huh. But you could actually split the machine over if you were left-handed or right-handed. And it... I think I knew someone who had it because I seem to remember playing it once. But uh, it's the first color handheld system. Uh, it was designed to actually be able to network up to 15 units... Although games, there was only like a couple of games that even went as far as programming into uh, eight players as the maximum. So you could network this thing with with a bunch of your friends, but who would want to? Because they sucked. <laughs> yeah, and it did it did initially sell pretty well, but then Game Boy came out, which was half the price, had better games and a superior battery life. So <laughs> bye bye links. Yep. I'm pretty much only familiar with this because of magazine ads. I remember ads for the links. Another one that was pushed in comic books so hard. Yeah, and Atari also, a a big part of why it failed was Atari went and took a lot of the resources from the links and moved it immediately into the Jaguar. And we'll talk about the colossal failure of the Jaguar (laughs) once, once we get there. All right, the the thing that we're all waiting for now, the console launch of this year, the Sega Genesis. Ah, my favorite console, I think, of all times. Now it's their Sega's biggest and best-selling console, and while it didn't do as well in Japan as the Super Famicom, it did have a major presence in the states, in Europe, and Brazil. Basically, uh, in Japan in 87, Sega was losing market share to Nintendo and NEC, uh, so they decided to make an actual 16-bit console as their priority, because 
you know, PC Engine, oh, we're 16 bit. It's like, no, no, no. Let's actually let's actually do the work for that. Yeah. But it had a pretty underwhelming debut in Japan, and then again, just kind of stayed that way throughout its lifetime. But again, once it hit here, it hit strong. And let's be honest, it has a pretty good uh, series of launch titles because you know it had Altered Beast, Ghouls and Ghosts, Revenge of Shinobi, Space Harrier Two, Super Hang On, uh, Super Thunderblade, which is kind of like Space Harrier, but you're in this helicopter right. shooting like planes and stuff. Uh, Thunder Force Two, which is this uh, scrolling spaceship shooter. Where you actually start out in this top-down environment, looking for like these little cores and stuff to shoot. Once you get as the ones uh, that you need to destroy, it'll then switch to a side-scrolling setting, where then you shoot your way to the final boss, or at least the boss of that level. And let's be honest, just for what they also had, uh, Golden Axe as oh, one of their. Oh God, I love shows. Golden Axe. I think Altered Beast being the packing was a mistake. It should have been Golden Axe. Uh, I, Altered Beast, especially now, it looks so stilted. Golden Axe is just more variety and fun. Well, there's a good reason why it probably wasn't the packing, because it was also released in arcades in the same year. Oh, I mean, they had a contract issue. Yeah, and too bad they didn't have Columns. Columns was another one that was really easy to uh, for anybody to pick up and play. Oh yeah, because it's it's a that was a very straightforward uh, puzzle game. If you've played Bejeweled, like those usually show up on phones as they just they. Speaking of, let's see who the winner is of the puzzle game right now. Because I do a poll every single day on my Retro Rocket Entertainment Twitter, and uh, today's question is favorite puzzle game of the past. And let me go look. I keep having ties, and it's driving me nuts. Um, let's see. I have, I have, I didn't put Bejeweled because I thought it was too new. Uh, I put Columns, uh, Super Mar- or no, Doctor Mario, Tetris, and Puzzle Fighter. And if my phone would work, oh, I think I was the, I think I was the first person to uh, to comment on that one too. Or yeah. at least uh... Puzzle Fighter was so much fun to play in the arcade. Okay, so my phone isn't working well. But, oh, here it is. Uh, Tetris is at forty percent. Puzzle Fighter tied at forty percent. No one voted on Columns. Doctor Mario is at twenty percent fucking columns i'm sorry man <laughs> i failed you no. no columns is good but pu- if you put puzzle fighter or yeah Tetris, i, I know i was just trying to pick one from each console or something or each era so but uh so with uh golden axe that would go uh you play as one of three heroes the conan like barbarian axe battler the red sonia like amazon tyrus flare and the Viking dwarf Gilius Thunderhead, because fantasy. <laughs> well, there's no wizard, so but they probably thought if they put a wizard, people would confuse it with Gauntlet. Well, it's like in each of these, well, they all had their own brand of destructive magic, where as you go around the stage, you can find these little uh, little blue pots, or if you're uh, entirely lucky, and the, probably one of the most entertaining parts of the game is the little uh, little goblin dudes. Or gnomes, or whatever they are, yeah. they start running around with the uh, with the bags. You just kick the shit out of them and steal their and steal the pots that they have. But uh, basically, you're in this uh, you're on a quest to destroy the evil Death Adder who has kidnapped the king and princess of the land you're in. And it's also a side-scrolling beat 'em up. It you get uh, you can actually get mounts to ride. There's like a like a little dragon, a little uh, uh, little 
bird lizard thing that uh, can flip its tail around. And God, what was else? There was one other one. Although, oh no, maybe it was two. It was like two dragons and the yeah, I don't remember. Huh? The birdie thing. Yeah, because there was like one that breathed fire on the ground. There was one that shot a fireball. But uh, yeah, you go on this quest. You go and and it's. I don't want to say it's the. It's not the most elaborate uh, beat 'em up, but the thing that really worked for it was the fact with was its magic system where as I said you collect these pots and you have different levels of magic you can cast. And each character, even their levels are not specific not exactly the same. So it's like you get up to a level four magic, but it could take one person seven pots and someone else like three. You know, four I should say. <laughs> But uh, I just remember, and the thing that made me the most happy is collecting those pots as Tyrus, getting it all the way up, and then unleashing that huge fire dragon on everybody. Because I like, I, I enjoy seeing things burn in video. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I better make notes in, <laughs> just in case. Mm, someone's a pyro. <laughs> No, I'm not not, not playing with a uh, lighter out over Do here. Do you no. like to put out fires with gasoline? <laughs> but, all right. The last thing I've got is it is a movie, but it's definitely very video game oriented, and it's The Wizard. What? what the Wizard? Yep. It's with Fred Savage, Bo Bridges, Christian Slater, uh, Jenny Lewis. And it's basically Rayman, but for kids and video yeah. games. I hate to say it, but yeah, the formula's kind of there. Um, can I tell you that my mother absolutely loves this movie? She couldn't give a shit less about video games, but she loves those kids. Well, I think it's an okay movie. It's I, fine. It's, it hasn't aged. Yeah. So I, I thought it was amazing when I was a child, and not so much now. But I do own the <laughs> Shoot, Shot Factory uh, Blu-ray. <laughs> well, it's like, well, the, the biggest thing is that these kids it basically ends up with uh fred savage get, taking his they say the kid has ptsd but i'm pretty sure he's just autistic because they're you know it's like he's not acting like as far as i can tell he's not acting like he's you know really traumatized right. by his, his sister's death he's just he's got you know mental issues and the way that he can see patterns and that he can master that, but he has trouble communicating. It's. I mean, did we yeah. even talk about autism back then? No, no. It, I think that's why they were saying it's PTSD. Is just okay. they needed they I because they didn't want to have a video game, you know, children's movie where they would use. And I I will say this word, and I understand it's definitely a triggering term for some people, and it's oh, un PC, but the R word. The R word. Let's you know, just leave you it the R have, word. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you don't want to have a the R word being referred. I'm probably sure they do call the kid that at some point. I think they actually do, yeah. Like one of the other kids, and they they at the drive-in when they uh, they beat them up and take their stuff or kick the lunchbox, whatever it is. Yeah, it it it's very possible that's in there, but yeah, I think the core of the movie um, is important, you know, about dealing with tragedy, and it's a road trip movie which is always fun if especially if you have attention span issues because road trip movies are perfect for that where they're just like vignettes i don't think fred savage is there yet as an actor i think he's gotten better course as an adult um i think it's a little heavy handed with the advertising of course but uh, it's got fucking christian slater and paul bridges and i'm there for it well yeah and as you said basically this film is an ad for nintendo and their games like 
every single game that they uh, that they have that that they're learning to you know learning to play and betting on and doing all this stuff. They're all Nintendo oriented games. They call the Nintendo helpline yeah. to uh, learn the strategies, and it also it not only and I'm gonna I'm using air quotes on this. It showed off the newly released Power Glove. It's so bad. It's bad. Yes, it is. It it was a for those who have not seen this movie and it was a controller that you wore on your hand and forearm like a glove, and you were supposed it sort of had motion control, but it did because there's only like two games that are actually compatible with it. Right. And it didn't it didn't sense the movement the way the Wii bar senses. It had like some sort of like gyromite thing in it or something, right? It had it sensed yeah. the movement that way the way like the robot Rob the robot would sense the two things moving back and forth. Yeah, exactly. It was basically it was like there was like a there was like a puzzle game and I forget what the other one is. <laughs> All those peripherals movie... sucked. Every single last peripheral for the Nintendo was a piece of shit. The, the scope, the well, except for the gun. The gun was classic, but everything else blew. Oh yeah, and but it's like, and in the movie they're using, I think, Outrun or something. They're using a racing game of some kind to show it off. Like he's controlling it because he's holding a wheel, and it's bullshit. I'll say this though: if it's not for the power glove, we wouldn't have that badass fucking band. Well, we'd have the band, but it'd be a different name. True, true. Wait, are there two? There are there two power gloves? If you separate the words, you get the one that did the score to Far Cry Blood Dragon, um, and then if you put them together, they're a metal band. <laughs> But this movie, let me, I'll finish this last one up. Sorry. This movie? Yeah, I know, I know. I got ADD. Uh, <laughs> it's my fault. My fault. Uh, this was also America's, and again, air quotes on this, first look at Super Mario Brothers 3. Never heard of it. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, here's the thing. It wasn't, even though the movie states it's the first time anyone's ever seen this, and maybe when they were shooting it that, could have been true uh, it would, would have been covered in gaming magazines you know by the time the movie came out and you know it would have been our, the first time you've seen it in motion maybe yeah is it, it's, I'm guessing it was pre-planned footage that they play they mimic play against or maybe it was a green screen and they just planted it in later when post-production was going well no, they, they flat out say Super Mario so I've I'm pretty sure that they were shooting, if not if not pre-rendered footage. Well, it would have to have been pre-rendered footage because uh, I really doubt the kids, with with how that how that sequence is played out, yeah, I yeah. really doubt that they were actually doing anything that showed up on the screen. Although, who knows? Maybe they maybe the kids did get a chance to actually try it. It's so it's interesting. That... If it's any sort of trend, and this is a big thing in the 80s, if it's anything that's mildly popular, you're going to get a movie about it. There was a Roller Boogies at the late 70s, early 80s. We have the terrible... Every single one of them's awful. Skateboarding, BMX, except for one, which came out in 1989. Also has Christian Slater in it, and it ain't the wizard. It's Gleaming the Cube. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trends... Trends like this never never translate that well into uh, movies. Although we do have Free Guy out, and apparently that's yeah, okay. but that's an established. See, the difference is is when something is brand new, everybody's talking about it. That at that moment, this is a hot thing to talk about. Whereas video games have been established now as mainstream for decades. Wizard was still pretty fresh. I mean, Nintendo had only broken through like two years earlier. I mean, we're t in 1990, we had two competing movies about the Lombada. 
That's what I mean by a trend. It's gonna you got to hit it now, and it's gonna fade. Yeah, right. Well, we also had the Dungeons and Dragons movie uh, back in well, uh, with God, what ah, Tom Hanks, like Dungeon Masters. Oh, like Mazes that. and Monsters. Yeah. Yeah, free. Where he goes crazy at the end because <laughs> D&D is evil. But, okay, uh, but that's all I have for video games of 89. Oh, it was so much fun. I can't believe we went 50 minutes. I didn't know we, we do this. Every time I think, well, it'll probably be a half hour. i got to pad this with my bullshit. No, we're good. So <laughs> thank you, everybody. <laughs> uh, Facebook under Hit Rewind. And like I said, Twitter, which Retro Rocket Entertainment for my side. And your side is... Musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. And I didn't realize this until today. Uh, you have basically become my regular co-host for this whole network. Hmm. Well, I'm, I seem to be available often, so yeah. I think it helps out. Well, you see, and, and with Jacob, who has always been my, since the very beginning, has been my co-host and my regular go-to, we do the movies of a certain year, but we have to, like, we do six movies per episode. And then as the years have gone on, we keep finding more and more. So it's basically just the movies with him. And then we got you with uh, uh, the sci-fi films over on Video Night Beyond, which is ending with the next episode and just being absorbed into Hit Rewind. So don't think it's ending, it's just evolving. Um, video games, music, comic books. I feel like there's something else. No, for uh, that I think it's right now. Just well, randomness. Yeah, we just, there's some random stuff that we do from time to time. He's going to help me uh, at the end of the year around Halloween with some uh, thrillers I need to catch up on because we're still in 1983 over on that segment. And I, I think I will eventually convince you to do Doctor Who. I just gotta. Well, yeah, I want to. I want to experience the whole thing. I always thought it was cheesy, but there's some charm to it now. I get it. Especially since you see some of the, the spoofs of that kind of world, like Dark Place, Garth Murray's Dark Place, where they have fun with extremely low budgets. Well, it's like I had done a rewatch of the entire new Who, you know, re-release of it. And it's definitely, I would love to talk to someone who's first time going through some of this stuff. Halloween, do they call it boo-hoo? I will show myself the door. I'll, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, eventually, but right now I'm just overwhelmed with this stuff, and hopefully I can wrap up. Oh, yeah, Next Planet Over. We were doing uh, sci-fi shows over on that, which is also ending, and I'm absorbing it into Hit Rewind. I kind of just want to make one streamlined thing, so start doing the sci-fi shows by the year that we're in. So Ron and I, uh, my occasional uh, guest host, um, are going to be doing Alien Nation this year. Ooh. All right, so that is it, everybody. Have a good night. Later.